You are now listening to episode 75 of Doc Fermento Discovers the World with Maurice Small. This dream. It all started with Maurice, uh, episode one, and we reconnected. It's the end of the intro. Enjoy the episode. Okay, I gotta. I'm gonna. I gotta disconnect. But I mean, the this will stay connected. But I gotta run outside and grab my gear, and I'm gonna come right back. All right. Tell tell the listeners some story. But this is this is live or something, man. Oh man. All right. So once upon a time, there was this there was this dream, and this dream had legs. It had sixteen legs. Each leg represented opportunity. So there was the opportunity to fly, and there was the opportunity to to glow, and there was the opportunity to manifest, and there was the opportunity to womanfest, and there was the opportunity to Oktoberfest, and there was the opportunity, yeah, you get the idea. And suddenly, out of nowhere, just like the oldest plants on the earth, horse tails and ginkgos, it grew two more legs. And suddenly these two legs began to think for themselves. And as they began to think for themselves, things began to change. It's just like art. Art became more beautiful than ever. Suddenly the darkness grew. Suddenly the light grew. And as all these things grew, the changing of the art, PBS became forever funded. Thanks for listening to this wonderful broadcast of This American Life 2.0. All right, he leaves me to talk to you guys while he goes to get the apparatuses. And I'm telling you stories about opportunity and change. The goal of opportunity and change is that if you see an opportunity, take it. The goal of change is you got to make change to make it happen. Nothing better, nothing worse. Embrace change and take the opportunity. That is all. All right, I'm back. You here? All right. Here? Yeah, man. Yeah. Do you keep them entertained? Uh, you're going to find out. I, I didn't know you were recording yet. Yeah, Look. you know me. It's always recording. Is that okay? Yeah, man. That's cool. If you don't want it out there, no, I'll trash it, is, it. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. It's yeah, that's, that's totally up to you. I, I just, uh, the thing auto-records and... Oh, man, sorry about that. Uh, it wasn't supposed to rain till 1230, and boy, did it come down. My computer soaked. That quick, huh? Yeah, just boom. Oh, man. Fire's wow. going, nice night, then blammo. Maybe NASA put the uh, retrograde uh, 
burners on and it yeah, they changed the atmosphere near your house. I would not discount that. <laughs> I saw a farmer on a documentary saying that um, he um, started no-till mm-hmm. farming and not the chemical kind. There's like two versions of this. Yeah. This is the permaculture style. Agro, you know, grazing. He's he's now a grazier with his crops. And he's in like the middle of Kansas mm-hmm. where they don't do shit like that. They just till, kill. And he was just showing these huge fields of just uh, soil exposed to the air, you know? Wow. And he says that he can see storms, rainstorms coming, and they mm-hmm. split and they go around those barren fields. And uh, he claimed that he thought maybe it was that reflective heat coming off that soil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, changed, made a little microclimate, and mm-hmm. they were in the middle of a drought, and it. So they were just stuck in a cycle. So they can't recover from the drought because they keep leaving these fields exposed to the sky. So his stuff was affected as well, even though he was he was he, doing nice. Well, he was referring to his neighbor's property. So mm-hmm. on a fence line, he was showing his, uh, his, even though he was in the middle of a drought, his stuff was in you know, pretty nice, you know? He had mm-hmm. corn, but he had, you know, things growing in and amongst it, grasses and other things. I don't even know. Right. But then he showed his neighbor's property across that fence line, and it was literally just that, you know, that dust, that it, you know, you've been to, shit, yeah. you know Ohio, what yeah. it, those cornfields yeah. look like. So it's just dirt. Cardboard. Cardboard dirt exposed Freaking to the sky. cardboard, man. And it's dead and lifeless. And then Jeez. he was showing his soil, and he's like, he mentioned the worms. He said the earthworms were back. Mm-hmm. Isn't that something? Where the fuck they come from? Gotta wonder, man. I think the worms are aliens, though, you know? I think worms and bees are aliens, and I don't think they die. I think the fact they that they just like evolve. They just wait. Yeah, yeah. They definitely are on a different time scale. Oh, for sure. They do their thing. We watch it when we can see it, but they're probably also willing to just go away for a while. We're cool. Yeah, them, Are you going to do that? Well, we'll watch you fail from some other pretty much. zone, some other dimension. Some other realm. Speaking of worms, we got the worm, biggest worms I've ever seen in my life down here. They're not the native Georgia worms, I guess. Okay. I don't, I'm not, I'm mm-hmm. not a worm expert. But right. These worms are like at least a foot and a half long minimum. What? What? I ha- I haven't seen a baby yet. I've only seen what I'm assuming are adults. I mean, if these might be babies, but they're like snake I'm length. They're, they're like snake length, like legitimate foot and a half, two foot long. When they're probably maximized, stretched out worms, and they're they're kind of pink, very very pale pink, and they make the biggest piles of poop you've ever seen in your life. Well, I'd say so. Not that big. Bit, right. I haven't seen any except in our yard. I'm walking down the block, me and mm-hmm. the boy walking down the block, looking at people's grass. 
looking at the edges, looking at this, looking at that. I don't see him. I only see him here. I know we didn't bring him because I've never seen worms like that in my life. Yeah, yeah. I have never but seen But they're bigger than my foot. That's crazy. They're, they're bigger than my foot. I wear a size 12. These things are longer than my foot. Whoa. And you don't see them like washed up on the sidewalks after a rain or anything in the neighborhood? Never. Never. It seems a hard fucking core. Wow. No. It's like those Ohio worms or North Carolina worms where it rains and they die on the sidewalk. Hell, hell no. I've never yeah. seen one that dead on the sidewalk. Never. And it's rained like cats and dogs down here. Cats and dogs for days. I've never seen one washed up yet. Yeah, I, I've, been in a, I've been in one of those monsoons down there. It's horrific. It is. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. I don't know what's up with those worms, man. They're yeah, good in the garden, I, I though? They, they keep it all going good? Oh, man. Yeah, they're they're loving what we're doing with the mulch. You know, you were just talking about the uh, farmers out there with the uh, cover crops and no-till and all that, and the guy next to him has got this dust. Well, here, everyone's got this pretty attractive grass, and this grass grow, grows dormant in the wintertime. It turns just dead brown. And just right now, it's beginning to turn green again. So I guess it just like goes brown mm-hmm. for like four months, and then it comes back to green. I don't know. I ain't been here that long to find out. But it's pretty interesting. Everyone's got this beautiful manicured, you know, paid for. Oh, that's right. They call it turf. Oh, uh, it's a rolled. So it's, it's probably a rolled. Yeah. Lawn. yeah everything yeah. comes in a freaking roll. I watch them dig up a little bit of something, and then they put these rolls down. Yep, yep. And they step on it, and they water it for like two weeks, and then it stays brown. But this is my first winter here, so I don't know what happens in the spring. It's but a, yeah, it's a funny thing, you know, because grasses are notorious for their amazing root structures, you know. Uh-huh, and then here uh-huh. we are putting in lawns with a three-inch root base. Totally mm-hmm. nuts. Mm-hmm. You ever see? I love like permaculture videos where they do a cutaway of land in a mm-hmm. where the grasses are, like prairie grasses, and they'll do yeah. like a cutaway, ten feet, twelve feet deep, and they'll show the just pull these grass roots out like twelve feet deep, you know, in lush prairie soil. Something to think about. When you eat that buffalo, and that buffalo's been eating that stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's when I feel really good about eating meat. Yeah. You know, being a non-hunter, yeah. I guess, you know, hunting your own would be the pinnacle uh, as a carnivore, you know? Mm. Omnivore, whatever. Um, but getting that grass-fed stuff feels real good, and I feel good when I serve it to my children. We had a pretty rough stretch here recently, and um, I had to go back to the, you know, CAFO meat, the local butcher shop. Oh, down the block there? Uh, this one over in um, West Park. Okay. And, okay. Uh, hey, you know you know the place, because it's next to that um, crazy place yeah, that sells the ferns. Right. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yes. Yeah, so there's a butcher shop over there. They're professional operation, you know, professional butchers, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. they have no concern whatsoever about 
you know, we've tried to talk to them about <laughs> grass fed this or that. And they're just like, no, man, it's not our customers. And we're not, we're not bringing that product in here. Wow. It costs twice as much, you know, it's not, it's just not for them. I said, we'll just bring in a little bit, make a small change. Nope. All right, then I got to eat this fucking Chinese meat. Fuck it. Damn. Cause you know, you get a, say, you see some ribs there, pork ribs laid out mm-hmm. on a tray. It's all nice looking. Mm-hmm. But you say, oh, that's Smithfield or one of those yeah, brands. And yeah. you're like, oh, you know yeah. what? That's owned actually by the Chinese. It is. Yeah, yeah. and they grow that shit and they grow them like uh, disgusting yeah. lab, uh, you know, just, it's criminal. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so... I've talked to people about it that I, I know and respect, and they're like, calm down. Feed your family. Get through. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's okay. You know. Right. You're not going to make yourselves sick. You're, you know, you're not destroying the world. Fight through, then get back on your, uh, you know, previous path. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, the butcher shop, they take credit card. Right. <laughs> My Mennonite right. farmer. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you got to have cash, man. Yeah. Yeah. I wasn't eating meat back in, uh, I don't know what, back in the 2000s and what, in the early 2000s. But I remember many a, many a slaughter of pig, of hog. And it was a beautiful process, the way that they respected the animal from, you know, from birth until, you know, cutting it up and then mm-hmm. what's on the plate, you know, it was just a beautiful process. And moving to North Carolina, we found, uh, we found black farmers that were able to grow our pork for us. And we found grass-fed farmers that were within, I don't know, 35 miles that had the grass-fed beef, you know. And one of the best feelings was being able to know the farmer, know the face of the farmer, know the cows that were out there in the field and, you know, prepay for them and, you know, know that that was some solidly good well raised, mm-hmm. loved, you know, humanely processed. Yeah. For what it's worth, you know, beef and pork, and uh, and then we had the egg guy too. So we, you know, North Carolina treated us really well when it came to our proteins, really well. We're having a tough time here in Georgia getting good pork. Uh, we got a guy that's doing really good eggs, but it's very expensive. But we're doing it anyhow because we got to, and. There is a guy with uh, grass-fed who's nearby. The egg guy's black, and the uh, the beef guy's black. So we're doing pretty good. We haven't found the pork guy yet. That's really cool. I hope you you know complete the whole cycle there. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. They. Um, kinda- I don't know uh, any any black meat men. I I only know the Mennonites, you know. Right. 
and I don't then think you'll find any in Ohio, man. Yeah, and then the butcher shop guys are all like old Polacks or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a different thing, you know. It, say like you approach your produce and you look at it and you think, "Nah, this isn't the best stuff, man. This is uh, some bullshit." It's not organic. It's not, you know, it's not, it's not so great, but it doesn't have like such a deep ethical or moral thing to it. Like meat does to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's just a mind fuck for me. It's hard for me to get over. So I guess we all get our uh, we have to draw inspiration from our own ways. So for me, I got to go out and make money to get better meat. Yeah, that's the reality. Wife told me that a good portion of our budget, which I already knew, but she broke it down for me about a month ago, that a good portion of our budget is getting eaten up by what we eat and because of her diet change you know she's not doing as many greens as she used to so i'm pretty much growing for the neighbors because you know she can't eat that many greens now Mm -hmm. and the um we don't have enough money yet to get the to get the the beef and the only thing that we can really afford is the, the are the eggs yeah, that's the so thing. So it's one of those things yeah. you got to save up, you know. Yeah, if you're loaded with cash, you can, and there's no one local, you can get that shit on the internet, you know, from mm-hmm. anywhere. You can be very choosy, but when you don't have those resources, then you you got to get local. You got to find someone, and it is a funny thing that um, you know your wife has to avoid the greens and things because those are supposed to be the safe things. Mm-hmm. Meat's supposed to be the dangerous element, right? It's funny when you have a a health issue, health crisis. You have to do some serious <laughs> detective work to unravel yeah, this, man. And you cannot listen yep. to any. I mean, just. It's just so much bullshit out there. It's really hard to cut through the clutter and get some sustenance for yourself if you have a problem. Well, she's become an expert at it. It's her and the mom are pretty much able to cut through all the crap. And she's my wife's come out the winner as far as helping her mom get through some of her stuff. And because the mom, her mom is a little bit older, she's stuck in an old way of thinking. So, you know, the daughter, of course, helps out the mom to, you know, find different options where the mom in the beginning helped the daughter find different options. So it's a beautiful symbiosis of, you know, mom and daughter helping each other out, helping them survive, you know, dietary wise. That's fantastic. It's pretty rare that uh, the older person will even listen. Well, my mom's the same way. My mom listened when we talked about, you know, getting off of uh, getting off of grains and getting off of wheat. And, you know, her arthritis pretty much took a side seat to, you know, her life because 
it just it didn't go away, but it went down. Her swelling went down. Her hands uncurled, and it was great. Began. I mean, she was always a good walker, but she began to walk more because she wasn't as stiffed up from the freaking swelling from the wheat. And, you know, some people listen, no matter how old you are, you know, and some people don't. And it's like, fuck them. And many, many don't. You're, yes. Many don't. Yeah. You know, yeah. probably 80, 89.9% don't listen. But that's cool, whatever. Yeah. You ain't got to listen, man. Yeah, these whatever. are the struggles I have. I, I, yeah, I, ah, oh, man. You just see people you're close to in some pain and you have uh, yeah. some solution or not a solution, but an idea at least. Yeah. yeah. And it just falls on deaf ears or they'll turn around and personally attack you because of mistakes you make in your life. Uh-huh. You ain't got no money. I you ain't... drink alcohol. You smoke cigarettes. You're going to tell me about how to eat. I'm like, ah, fuck. <laughs> got me. Go and die then. Right. Well, your advice always, well, I always look back on your advice and I always look back on the wife's support. And if it wasn't for your advice and if it wasn't for her support, I wouldn't be here. You don't think? Shit. Fuck no. I'd have been, I'd have been a freaking dead ass. I'm not so sure about that, but. Man, your wisdom, your wisdom put a lot of freaking hairs on my freaking beard because I got more years. I'm, I'm 30 pounds lighter. I'm clear in thought. My vision got better. <laughs> I can go on and on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> wow. You know, that, that's a freaking new train of thought about, you know, perspective you know, quality, quality, quality when you can afford it. And just like you said just now, you know, I mean, you got to do what you got to to survive. I mean, I ate some crappy ass meat, you know, coming off of vegetarianism into paleo was not the fucking easiest thing in the world. It was probably, probably the second most difficult thing I ever did in my life. That shit was crazy. Freaking like two years of madness, man. Sorting it all out. <laughs> yeah. It's the shit. Man, my diet was jacked up, man. I should have been dead years ago. <laughs> you I saved th- my life, man. Oh, man, that's crazy to hear you say, but okay. I'm just going to take it and not dive in on that, but all right. And I didn't know, you know, I didn't know that when I met you. Like, I, I didn't know you looked just fine and supremely healthy to me. I wasn't, you know, I never talk to you because I thought you needed help we just were just bullshitting about what do you know what do I know you know (laughs) what have you seen out there and I just kind of told my story and well the wild part was remember that time he went to the to to the fair that Lorraine County fair or something like that but real fair yeah Lorraine County I know I didn't eat shit but you were on a hunt for that freaking buffalo meat that's man. right yeah <laughs> you were like it's over here no no it's not over here it's over there it's over there oh no where is it shit we're getting hungry my kids can't eat this shit two Dude. mile walk for trash at the end anyways right right but that showed me 
And I see my wife going through the same shit. And I'm, I got the balls that are big enough to make it through, you know, 24 hours without eating it because I know it's not there. You know, if I run out of eggs and avocados or whatever, I'm not eating shit <laughs> until I get back home where I know I can get a good meal that's safe. But, man, watching you do that, set the bar high. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people have say that they, I see this a lot. Like someone's out and they're a little hungry. They'll, they'll send a tweet. Oh, should I eat Fuck at the that. airport? Like, oh, my God. No, man. <laughs> Oh shit! Fucking kill yourself! Don't just do it. Go for it. Don't eat that. Don't eat that shit. Just go, go, go. Get home. Cook it up. Fuck! Don't cook it. Eat it raw. I don't care. Just don't eat that shit. I'm in an airport about once a month somewhere, and and the wife years ago gave me these. Uh, I got them from your place. When you were in Lakewood, man, what's them bars called? Freaking bison? I don't know what they were, man. What are those oh, bars the epic called? Epic bars. You sold. Epic. Epic, yeah. So the epic bars by far are the best bars on the planet. Because I, told- I travel. Mm-hmm. Huh? Go ahead, man. Go ahead. Because I travel a lot, I always carry two epic bars with me. She bought some other shit about, I don't know, back around Thanksgiving. Said, try these out. So I put in the bag, you know, whatever, you know, backup. The Epic Bars are my backup. When there's nothing around, and I don't care if it's expired or not, I've had them, I've had them like four months expired past their due date, you know, eat by whatever. I'm like, fuck it. I'm going to save this shit until I need it. I'm not going to eat it before this says, fuck that. So there, there we go. I'm in the airport. Uh, The most recent trip I was in, um, I was up in Virginia during the uh, Virginia something something soil conference or whatever and i had like uh it was a real quick flight about an hour and 15 minutes but i had an eight hour window i had to get the rental car back to the airport by a certain time but my flight didn't leave until um like 7 45 so i got the the rental car back at like one o'clock so i had this time in the airport mm-hmm. i had a really good breakfast you know but it was the end of the freaking night. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get back until 9 o'clock. You know, I don't want to pass out. You know, I'm feeling pretty good, but, you know, I'm going to just eat this bar. So I pulled it out. Man, I ate that epic bar. I was good for two days, dog. Two days after that, you know, because <laughs> I had to come back late at night, go yeah. to work. And then, you know, the next night, I was, I know, I, I, you know, good food. So she bought some other crap that I had in the bag and I used it on another trip <sighs> tastes like crap sweet no no nothing just made me freaking have an upset stomach man so epic <laughs> those are the ones and I I applaud you for having the best possible product for your customers around the world yeah. the best possible <laughs> well you know it was kind of funny because it was a coffee shop and so we had no pastries we had no cookies we had no donuts yeah, and people were freaking out. I'm like, well, if you're hungry, eat this shit. <laughs> like, what the fuck is this? I'm like, that's lamb, lamb bar, mm-hmm. lamb mm-hmm. what? Lamb meat. <laughs> well, this I don't eat that. Well, this one's bison. This one's turkey. They're just like, this is just ridiculous. <laughs> people walk out. Whatever. 
And it was funny I, when we when I got on that Epic thing and I was bringing those bars in. I I went through the growing pains with that company. They were a young startup, uh, husband and wife team, mm-hmm. and um, sometimes they'd ship us bad product. It, the processing wow. would fail, and they would get mold. And people would open them up, and they'd be moldy. And I'm like, oh, you know, like, oh no, you know, <laughs> it was very uncomfortable for me. Oh no! And now they're just this hugely <laughs> successful co- corporation. They actually got bought out by um, one of the big food producers. Like, I'm just going to say General Mills, <laughs> someone like that. That's too bad. <laughs> well, you know, this is the uh, huge argument in the um, let's just call it the paleo sphere, the the paleo mm-hmm. people. Okay. Uh, about that, about that, the sale of that company. Um, a lot of people were very upset, um, calling them sellouts. Mm-hmm. Um, but I dove in a little further and listened to their message and heard them talk to other um, people and in interviews and things. And they really thought that, well, one thing when they signed the agreement is that they can maintained control of what the product would be going forward. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And their idea was with the money, they could reach a larger audience mm-hmm. and they can bring better food to more people. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they didn't sell the brand and walk away. They're still there maintaining that same ethic, that same ethos, you know? Mm-hmm. And now their product um, has expanded and they sell um, animal fats. They sell lard and tallow and mm-hmm. duck fat. They have... Um, mm-hmm which are amazing. I'm so glad to find an off-the-shelf brand of lard and the duck fat. Mm. Forget about mm. it. I mean, it's the most delicious thing in the whole world. What you do with that duck fat is you make sweet potato fries with it. Okay. And then you you can die after you eat right. that. It's just so good. Where you bite it? They sell at the grocery store now, man, because they're a huge brand. Fuck you can no. go to any Fuck grocery no. store. Yeah, just go to Fuck any. No. Yep, You're listen. crazy. You go Get to the. You go to your biggest what? grocery store. You talk to the manager. Say, bring in Epic. Well, what would you like? Uh, bring in the fats. And now they also have pork rinds, like real what? good pork rinds. Blow your mind, pork rinds. Dude, I did some math what? on them. They looked a little expensive at first, but it's actually a big bag. Because I buy them at the, I mean, I literally buy pork rinds at the gas station. Just the junk, uh. j- junk-ass brand, you know. These these are pigs living in sewers and shit. So, right. but I eat them anyways. But then I found the Epic, and I said, man, that was a little pricey. But it's a big bag. It's only like twice the price, which makes me feel just three times better, though, because I know what I'm eating, and man, they're so goddamn good. So what's the... What are pork rinds? I know them by the Spanish name, uh, chicharrones. But like, you know, it's pork skin and what else? Just fried. Fried pork skin. Yeah, just it just turns into that marvelous, crunchy, goddamn wonderment. What are they fried in? Well, those grocery store ones, those gas station ones, hell if I know it, they're fried in toxic waste uh, okay. I, didn't, I didn't actually check the label on Epic I don't know the process I didn't even bother I just buy them and enjoy them do they add salt yeah they have a 
I've had two. I had a uh, salt and pepper and I had a barbecue mix. Wow. All right. So I can, I can go to, okay, down here. Where do we shop at down here? Kroger. I can go to Kroger and I can talk to the guy and say, look, I need Epic bars. I need Epic freaking pork skins. I need Epic lard. Yeah, you just epic. say, why don't you have a, what do they call that on the uh, ends of the aisles? The stand, you know, the, um, the end cap. Um, See, okay. So in the grocery store, space yeah. is everything. It's a battle. It's it a is. battle, battle, battle for eye contact. So end caps are the king. The right. end caps are the aisles. That's the shit. That, that, that's true. That, that's the right. big deal. So what you say is, how come you don't have an epic end cap? And you say, uh-huh. what? Like, oh, man, from what I'm hearing, grocers are going crazy having epic end caps because the pr- just huge profit. Profit, profit, profit. Just say that. <laughs> don't talk about quality. Don't talk about nothing. Just say, people going crazy. I'm talking to people all around the country, and their grocers have... Epic end caps, you know, just change the conversation to make it what's important to him. Profit. Yep. Shit, moving off the shelves. You just put that epic end cap and you'll see what happens. It goes fucking nuts. And what's good about that is when they introduce the product, they usually will discount it. So then just buy it in bulk. <laughs> you got to hack the system. Right. You got to you gotta smash the system. Make it work for you. I got you. All right. I don't go shopping, but the wife, I'll tell her what to do. Tell her what to say, and she'll she'll come home with some epic chips and pork skins and whatever else. Yeah, I saw someone uh, put up a tweet saying they found um, the Primal Mayo in, in a Kroger. So that's a good thing. Yeah. You ever seen that product? Hell, hell no. So there's I this guy. I grocery store, man. Oh, yeah, you don't go to the grocery store, like you said. But, no. Yeah, there's this guy. Mark Sisson, he wrote a... Yeah, I, I know him. Yeah, he's the primal dude, right? So he started yeah. a food company, and their first product, I believe, was a mayonnaise made with avocado oil. And it is unbelievably good. Is the It's better than my homemade mayo. How and do you, you get... And you can buy it in a grocery store. Hmm? How do you buy that, man? I mean, how do they get oil out of avocado? Oh, God, the thing is, like, it's so much fat. It's it, it, you know, insanely fatty. So what happens to the rest of the avocado then after the oil comes out? Oh, dude, I don't know. I'm not an avocadoologist. I gotta look up this stuff, man. Find out how this stuff is made, man. So I can go buy some avocado oil that's not avocado. Well, it's not. It's not mayonnaise with eggs. It's avocado mayonnaise. Oh, yeah, yeah. So you can buy plain avocado oil. And you can mm. buy now avocado oil mayo, and it is really good. And I was checking the prices, and you can get the mayo for about the price that you'd pay just for the damn avocado oil. It's very expensive. But as a treat, it's awfully good, especially if you don't make your own mayo. So what are you doing with the mayo, then? That's for the little fishes, man. Tuna, oh, sardines, mackerel... Okay. Mix that all up. So I could get, um, what's that stuff called? Some sardines and open a can of sardines and then get this avocado oil and do what with it? Oh, well, if you're buying the avocado oil, you have to make the mayo. Okay. So that's its own process. But if you buy the mayonnaise, then you just combine the two. 
and then add something crunchy like celery and onion or something like that. So it's got a little bit of crunch to it. And that makes it a nice little dip or something like that, or what? Yeah. Or just yeah. Oh man, I just or throw it on top of a salad, on a side of a salad. Carrots and stuff like that. Dip it in, in the carrot. And yeah, you could use. It out. That's right. Yeah, whatever. However you want to do it. I'm a. I I just attack it with a fork. I don't use any. Yeah, same here. I, I would just get a spoon and just like scoop that shit up. Hmm. All right, avocado mayonnaise with fish. All right, I can do that. I can try that. It's the king of foods. Is the those little fishes, man? I don't. That's that's your go-to. That's the that's the thing that that's just the no-brainer. Well, let's back it up a little bit then. In the beginning, I was talking about uh, medical marijuana and all these white dudes running the program. Very few women. Women are fighting to them now to get their piece of the pie of the medical marijuana industry. Skipping over with the same topic line to these little fish being the king of the, you know, king of it all because there's so many of them, the high in protein, this and that and the other. What are we going to do about, you know, this radiation coming over from, you know, Fukushima poisoning you know the Pacific from the north to the south, and all that. You know how do we how do yeah. we help yeah, these yeah. fisher people out, and how do we you know bigger picture how do we help these whales and sea lions that are freaking being bombarded by radiation from Baja California up to freaking Seattle and the trout and all the other nonsense up there. You know what do we do, man? I don't know how to fix any of that large scale stuff, but I am one thing you could do to focus on for yourself is if you're concerned about toxicity of a meat source then eat lower on the food chain and something that lives a shorter lifetime and tiny little fishes are mm-hmm, a great mm-hmm. uh, a great answer for that you wouldn't want to be eating you know some long lived old ass fishes they're gonna be repositories for all the mercury and every other goddamn thing you know that they've been exposed mm-hmm. to so that's just one thing for peace of mind is to eat the you know sardines right well, we eat them every day well, you can feel good about it. It's a great product, and especially if you buy, you know, the good, the better brands, the yeah, that are harvested better. You can feel good ethically, morally, great for your health. Um, yeah. So, no. Now, what about the farm raised crap? Skip it all, all of it. <laughs> it's just like the Chinese pork. No, if you you see, it'll say um, um, it'll say like Scottish salmon, yeah, you know, or something like that. Mm-hmm. That's just that's just garbage. It's just farm raised garbage. Atlantic salmon. Damn. That's another one. There is no such thing. So Atlantic salmon is a uh, farm raised product. It's a it's a giveaway right there on the label. All right, so, so I'm not going to get bogged down in the argument of how to feed the world, you know, mm-hmm. 
how to make the whole world healthy. What's the best food for the whole world? I'm just talking amongst friends and anyone who wants to listen to me. Right. So what about when they say, uh, what do they say? They say, uh, what have I seen? I've seen, I've seen them wild caught. What does that wild caught mean? As far as I know, that label is uh, is meaningful. I, I, I believe that that actually means something. And then they usually follow it up with like, depending on the type of fish, how it was caught, they call it like real mm. caught or something, as opposed to mm. netting. So you could have wild mm. caught, but it's harvested in nets, giant nets. And then there's mm-hmm. other products. Um, if you're super concerned about it and you want to, fresh reset and you want the very finest product you can in canned fish products look to the brand um wild planet so that's the one the wife gets yeah so what you can do like this is the things i like to do is while i'm researching something i'll just go out and buy the very best one i can find then do Mm -hmm. some more research and back it up a little bit and see if i can find other brands that are doing it right also but the wild planet shit is that that's the best out there, but you're going to pay, you know, 50% more, something like that. Mm-hmm. Do you have a Trader Joe's down there? Yeah, we got the, I think we got two of them. She goes there. It's, it's not, it's not, it ain't far from the house, probably about maybe seven miles away. But because of traffic, it takes us. I, we drove by there today, and it was it was. I'm not a traffic guy. I can get to my job in like three miles, and I'm at work, you know. And the other farm is just another four miles away, so my commute is you know all of ten minutes. But uh, when you cross in town, it's crazy traffic. But we yeah we got we got two Trader Joe's in town and about five uh, Whole Foods. Yeah, well. Trader Joe's, yeah. Trader Joe's is my like, like the analogy of being stuck in the airport, but you need something to eat, so you reach in your pocket and grab the Epic Bar. Mm-hmm. If I'm out and I need groceries and there's a Trader Joe's nearby, that's like my pocket Epic Bar. You know, <laughs> I feel okay mm-hmm. about shopping there, but it's not my first mm-hmm. go-to. It's it's not where I would drive to to load up on groceries, but mm-hmm. I'll fill a basket there. We now have our first Whole Foods and here um i've only been in it once it's been open for like a year and a half or two years or something but i, I don't go in there where'd they build it in uh, over on uh detroit in rocky river hmm. just uh okay. like half mile from the heinens maybe a mile whatever the- Do you still go to that uh, West? Was it was it Westgate Mall or Westlake Mall? The the one on two hundred and twentieth Street or two hundred and tenth Street? There was some kind of little yeah, nice Earth, little Earth Fair. Earth Fair, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a a North Carolina company, I believe, that has like a alternative to the to Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife spends all her money there. And hmm. we aren't happy about it. She's not happy about Whoa. it. I'm not thrilled about it. But they do hmm. have all the product we like as far as package stuff, brand stuff. You know, they got the right. milk we like. They got the butter we like. They got, 
But their meat counter is shit. I don't trust it. I don't trust the butchers back there. I don't trust that company. But as far as packaged foods and chocolates and things, they have the selection of things that I like to buy. But Mm -hmm. it's definitely compromising. Yet that's where a huge amount of our family budget goes. Wow. Wow. I bet I bet my wife's dropping a hundred bucks every other day there. Damn. Well, you guys, I mean if you look at what people are spending on fast food and what and the results they're getting and you look at what you're spending and the results you're getting, you know, better spend a hundred bucks than yeah. freaking twenty. There's, yeah, there's five of us. You know. You know? So if you're feeding your family on ten dollars a day each. Compare that to doing that on fast food. What are you getting mm-hmm. for your money? Mm-hmm. You can buy a two Little Caesars pizzas, you know. So yeah, hmm. food budgeting. It's a it's a it's a it's a thing. Daily, I'm I'm thinking about people and their food budgets or lack thereof and daily when people come down to the farm and they're they're hungry and I say, Well, you know, take what you need and come back tomorrow, put in a, you know, half hour of work or whatever. You know, or they're not hungry and they want to buy some lettuce or they everyone's got a different story. And uh, you know, our main farm is right in the heart of the city. And it's right in, you know, a very poor transitional gentrifying neighborhood. And the beautiful part about it is that it's still black. And people are still black. And they're still very humble about their food. And as they're learning about different types of lettuces and tomatoes and beans and, oh, there's red okra. There's this food vocabulary that comes up. And Mm -hmm. as we're as we're sharing our seeds with them and they're sharing their seeds with us. And the story goes back that these seeds have been in their family for, you know, two generations since the fifties and so-and-so and so-and-so has been planting that we know that it's GMO free because it's from back in the fifties and forties before they even had that crap as far as mass production and all that. Mm-hmm. And there's a the beauty of all of it, but there's at the same time, a sadness because of the mere fact that when I go to the Kroger next to the farm, the Kroger's about a mile and a half away, I'm not impressed. And then I go to the Kroger by my house, which is about three miles away in a gentrifying, heavily gentrified neighborhood. You know, when I moved down here, the Kroger was right up in their, what's it called, their produce section. And I was like, what the hell? I can't, I can't get any cabbage? The guy was like, no, we're remodeling. I'm like, yeah, you've been remodeling for a month. What the hell's going on? He said, well, we got to keep up with the new Kroger. I'm like, what new Kroger? He's like, the new Kroger. It's going to be the biggest Kroger in Georgia. And I'm like, where, where is it? He's like, it's down the block. I'm like, okay, well, great. Mind you, I had been to like seven Krogers looking for organics. Uh-huh. And, man, I had to go deep and hard to find organic this and organic that. Because we weren't growing it, because the farm was, you know, brand new, and I get to uh, accustomed to this new Kroger by my house that I'm going to, and then they build up this new one that's huge, and 
dude, you'll see it when you come down. It's just like, it isn't like a whole food, you know, dark and mysterious and beautiful. This is like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, real freaking bright with an organic section that's probably about half the size of your standard whole foods organic section, which for fresh produce is pretty amazing in the city, you know, two miles from my house. As a result, when I go to the Hood Kroger by the farm, I'm, I'm, I'm sad. But that's the one I go to for, like, avocados and whatever because I got to support where the people I know are at. Because I see all my friends there. I see the community there, this and then the other. But when I come home, the wife, she shopped at the one by her house because it's closer, obviously. And they have more selection of organic. And I wonder about the difference between, as you said, though, you beg the guy over in the plaza to get organics and grass fed and whatnot at his uh, butcher shop he was like no fucking way it costs too much i'm wondering what would happen if i went to the kroger in the hood and asked the you know produce manager hey can you get some organic uh you know whatever if he'll begin to do that because there is zero organics in that store in the hood two and a half miles away you got all the organics you could ever want grass fed this uh seafood whatever that all these levels of quality and it's just not it's just not it's fair but it's not fair and it pisses me off because we got a farm that people can come on and you know get whatever work for whatever get stuff for free you know pay minimal for it but when it comes to consumers the neighborhood you live in determines of course you know what you get yeah. what are your thoughts oh, man you know, and that's a massive corporation. Are, are they? Are they? I don't know. They were at one time the largest grocer. I don't know if they still are. Probably not two or three. I think it's Walmart now, actually. But um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and that's tough because you have that third element in there that you have your own. You have your own mm-hmm. community. You're in your own growing. You know. So. Mm, damn. So I, several arguments here, you know. Why don't they have the good produce in the Kroger in the hood? It's kind of obvious in, <laughs> in one aspect. Like even me, like if I see the $4 cabbage and I see the $1.80 cabbage, well, guess who's getting that? You know, I'm getting that. I get that cheap one myself, mm-hmm. even though I know the difference sometimes. Oh, man. So I guess so you have uh, access to people, to consumers, to eaters on the farm, right? So you Mm -hmm. start there, and then when they tell you the things you don't have that they need, then you start sourcing them more locally. And then when you talk to that shitty Kroger, talk to that manager and say, look, I got a list of 50 people that buy from me. And these are the things we can't supply them. Can you, would you bring in organic, then insert produce here? I got, I got 50 customers for you. Right? Good idea. You got to speak to what their fucked up mindset, so. Hmm. Yeah, most of what we get, most of what the wife gets Organic is the most for the kids. The uh, mostly fruits 
and the cabbages. We go through a ton of cabbage. So it's mostly the fruits and the cabbages, um, celeries, carrots, cabbage. We got to carry all the collards. We got the beets and we got, you know, lettuce and all the other crap. But I don't grow cabbage because it takes a freaking long time and it's impossible to get a hard hit. I'm just not that good yet, you know, to get a hard hit of cabbage. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I can't. I, I, I've never been able to grow good cabbage. Never. I can grow Chinese cabbage day and night, but I can't grow that freaking round oh, head of freaking, you know. That's because you don't use the right <laughs> chemicals and shit. Is that what it fucking is? Yeah, I think all those, <laughs> all those, what we call green cabbage, which Germans would call uh-huh. white cabbage, I think that uh-huh. that product has, um, that plant oh, has co-evolved or whatever, how you might say, in a, in a highly manicured environment, even though it's, you know, out in a field, that shit's heavily uh-huh. dusted and heavily, just heavily polluted to make those things so big and hardy because they have to be protected for a long time what is that a yeah. 90 day freaking 90 days 90 man. days maybe 70 on in good weather or something like that yeah so yeah you they they just make it goddamn so toxic that no bug wants to eat it i've never seen an honest guy even grow freaking no kind of cabbages man you know i've seen decent palm size you know cabbages all my life from the Amish guys. Now, when, when that plant's in the field, that thing is very huge because the outside leaves and this and that and the other. But when they clean that stuff up and get the bugs off of the outer leaves and whatever and they still find slugs in the bottom, you know, I, I just can't grow a cabbage like I see in the stores, you know. Yeah, so, I don't want to, but, you know, but they make great, you know, kimchi and all, all, all mm-hmm, that. Mm-hmm. So you, you look at it from this perspective. So... A plant can't run, a plant can't hide, uh-uh. that, that wants to be, you know, that, that we're growing. So if it's very um, semi-toxic, extremely bitter, um, mm-hmm. not pleasant to creatures or humans alike, you know, then it just gets left alone and it can grow. Now they have bred these cabbages where they're like, there's no bitterness. There is no like aggressive flavors in them. You can just eat them raw, right? Mm-hmm. They're almost sweet. Mm-hmm. Well, it has no built-in protection mechanism anymore. It's just food for anything that comes its way. So that's why, you know, they've just shit pile it with dusts and pesticides, herbicides, on and on and on. Because it's like free food for anything that comes around. Because it's not there's no defense mechanism, so that's why they have to poison it. Wow! I bet you if you grew it in a very carefully managed place, say a greenhouse or something, where you could hand pick off the worms and the this and the that, the predators, Mm -hmm. maybe Mm -hmm. you could grow some small good product. But out in the open field, you'd have to get some <laughs> serious knowledge. Back in Raleigh, we had um, the, the wife knows I don't grow cabbage, but except 
or uh, Napa and the Chinese stuff, Bok Choy, you know, Bok Choy, and all that. So before we moved, I didn't know I was moving, but before we moved, like, uh, into what time of the year was that? Like 2015, I put in some, I put in some cabbage. You know, I had like 12 cabbage that I started and said, I'm going I'm to I'm try it. You know, every once in a while, I just try it again. So I put in 12 cabbage. And out of the 12, we had like four that got to be the size of a softball. You know, nice and hard, mm-hmm. beautiful outer leaves, bug eaten, of course. But the slugs, we found the slugs did not penetrate, you know, or get caught up into the, uh, the inside leaves, you know, the heart of it. And she was impressed. I was impressed. The flavor was, of course, out of this world. Mm-hmm. And they kimchi very nice. But the mental failure on my part was, you know, it's time to harvest these things because they're going sideways and they're not, you know, it's been a long crop. And there's, I'm in North Carolina, and there's still you know, this size and not getting any bigger. What yeah, did yeah. I do wrong? Uh-huh. I'm questioning myself, like, why didn't this thing at this stage of its life be the size of, you know, three softballs? Like, I, you know, see organic and whole foods, you know, what did I do wrong? You know, what am I doing wrong? So, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I haven't given up on them. I'll try time again later, but right now I'm sticking with the uh, Chinese cabbage because it's quick, it's good, and they're pretty. Yeah, that that's absolutely. I think those cabbages you were growing were growing to the size they wanted to grow to. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't putting the inputs in to make them super fucking cabbages. No. Why do beefs grow so big? Because we pump them full of <laughs> antibiotics. What do antibiotics right. do? Cause you to gain fat. You know, put in uh, antifungals, antibiotics. Suddenly you have this big, gross, fat cattle. Better for everyone, but not really. Better for someone's pocket. Same thing with the cabbages. There, there are some inputs they're putting in there. Some organic fertilizer. Whatever. The, God, I wouldn't even... Yeah. can imagine what horror show that qualifies as organic in the fertilizer industry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, stick with those oddball ones, man. Especially anything with a little bit of a harsher flavor. That's a that's its, you know, protective mechanism. Strange thing about the uh, you you mentioned the what did you call them? The bugs that eat the cabbages and stuff like that, and the collard greens. We uh, since we've been down here. We've been down here since June officially of 2016. And towards the autumn, maybe around September, I put in these uh, Chinese cabbages, bok choy, um, bok choy, and some mizuna. And those things did very well, very slow, but very well. And, of course, we brought our soil with us from Raleigh. as You remember that quite well, I'm sure. And the soil and the clay matched up pretty good. And we have a nice, you can stick your finger in like about five inches. Mm -hmm. So everything's pretty good. Crops came up. 
we transplanted from the uh, cell pack. I, I grew them in the greenhouse and then transplant them out. They did really good. And right around, what was it, November, they were done. And we harvested them and we ate them and we stir fried them and we uh, did the thing with the ferments and just a wonderful taste. And we did the radishes too. We did radishes probably since uh, August and we're still doing radishes. The radishes do do very well. But those those bitters that the Chinese cabbages have, man, it's it's a very pleasant, happy bitter. It's yes. very pleasant mm-hmm. and it's very good to look at and it's very the deep greens and the whites in there and the bugs, even though they're in the same family as the cabbage and the collard greens, the bugs don't fuck with the Chinese cabbage. That's you know, interesting. I, I got a. I, the wife is always out there picking off the bugs from the from the uh, collard greens, mm-hmm. and then the kale. So the collard greens get attacked first, then the kales, and but nothing, nothing, not even back in Raleigh, nothing attacks the Chinese cabbages, man. Which is why I'm sold on freaking Chinese cabbage because nothing attacks it. I don't got to worry about it. I just plant it, harvest it. And we're good. Yeah, it could be some type of uh, co-evolutionary thing where your local bug and your local plant, you know, feed off of each other. But you bring in this new plant and the local bugs and critters don't know what to do with it yet. But they'll sort it out. I hope not. But they probably will. They're smart. Yeah, just, uh, man, that's so great. I'm glad you're growing some really cool stuff. I, I love, you know getting all the Asian greens into my ferments and yeah. kimchi. All the daikons we grew last year, man. Man, we got crappy soil because it's not deep enough yet. But we grew some freaking maximum two foot long. Minimum was a foot and a half long. And diameter was about five inches around daikon oh really first first time out that's like from the but, chinese grocery store daikon yeah wow you got it you got it this is regular uh bot- botanical interest organic daikon seed simple seed simple plant simple soil first time out just went crazy the customers were paying eight bucks a freaking daikon man dude so um, i ordered some more seed no doubt for the spring and we're putting some more of those shits in. Oh, that is so good. Yeah. Yeah. And the wife put them all in her ferments, man. She was very impressed, too. So we're going to become some daikon people growing down here, man. <laughs> nice. And when I come back, it's I'm bringing you a man. When you can bring a product to market and there's a, you know, and, the, and people respond to it and love it and pay the money mm-hmm. for it. And, oh, that that's really rewarding. So what are you guys growing out there in the front yard in that little um, little planter box there by the door? Uh, well, there's some things that popped up. Um, where are we at here? February. So mm-hmm. I haven't done anything with it yet. Um, but there's some. Um, what's up there? I think some sage came back. Nice. That's just there. It looks good. <laughs> good. And... Uh, I think that's the only one. Um, that's mostly though the wife's turf. I don't really touch that too much. She tried some experiments this past year, but largely we gave up on the whole property as far as growing any food type thing because of the the deer mm-hmm. are just out of control. So it's just not worth the 
the effort unless you have some preventative measurements, you know? Do they walk up to the front? Oh, yeah, they'll just eat. That's like a salad bar for them. They just come wow. up there at night, eat it all. Wow. Yeah, so we have that. Um, we have a dog now. So that could help. But, um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I just have not been focused on growing stuff, but I still support the growers. You know, I um, mm-hmm. did a fermentation booth at the local seed swap this year. Nice. It was the annual winter seed swap where everyone brings their open pollinated seeds to share. Where'd they have it at? Um, St. John's Episcopal Church. It's down on like West 26th and Church Street. Oh, the old school church, the yeah, underground that, railroad church. Yeah, that church has uh, one hell of a history, man. I was just mm-hmm. like, that's, it, I believe, I could be very wrong, but I believe it's the oldest wood structure in Cleveland. Okay. It's 18 whatever, whatever. Wow. Um, one of the only, well, it would probably be the only example you can find of, um, uh, gothic revival architecture mm-hmm. um, really just an uh, amazing little building um, with an incredible history yeah like you said underground railroad and they are a safe haven for anyone mm-hmm. anyone with mm-hmm. whatever 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 that they deal with you can go there for safety mm-hmm. and that's where they held the uh, seed swap event which was massively attended it was bursting at the seams from Good. the minute it opened till they shut it down how the seeds while event work um they put out as many tables as they as the place will hold very few chairs just chairs on the perimeter and people come and bring their seeds in whatever containers they have and um it just it's just share it's a free share event so you kind of gotta get in there mingle and talk some people just come and leave stuff right like an envelope with a note on it mm-hmm. and then other people have um they stand there with their seeds and they can tell you what they are and what they do the story mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but um i'm kind of stuck in the back corner just there for fermentation questions What were the top three questions you had in your corner? Hmm. Top three questions. Well, mostly people came by that were talking, were telling me things. They weren't asking questions. So I had to listen to a lot of people tell me everything they know. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, young white people uh, millennials that what's a millennial so just so I know I, I'm definitely familiar so it's a generation of um, how old would they be these days in their 20s or something mm-hmm. think of a hipster your you know typical mm-hmm. hipster mm-hmm. because this well you know that church we're at that's Ohio City that's like the most up-and-coming gentrified area, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, have these hipster kids that come in. They've been making kombucha for three weeks. And they tell me everything about 
fermentation. So it's just a a bit of a strange thing. It's a wow. I don't want to sound like a cranky old man, but it's a bit of a it's a lack of respect, a lack of culture. You don't go around telling the old man what you know. Correct. You hold that in your pocket that you actually know something <laughs> and you go and learn some more at the same time. Right. And you can also that way it helps you find out which old men know what the fuck they're talking about and which are full of shit, right? If you go telling them everything you know, then you don't get to find out like who's who knows what the fuck they're talking about. So anyways, the better conversations I had were some older folk um in horrible condition and some of these people just horrific health problems. So I had to listen to all their health problems. They had to tell me about all the things they can't eat and blah, you know, on and on and on. They say, well, how do you make the sauerkraut? It's cabbage, salt. Oh, I can't eat salt. The, the, you know, the big fat man tells me. I have a heart condition. I can't eat salt. Okay, then, you know, you got to go from there. Then you got to reset. You got to reframe the conversation with this person. Even though everything they're telling me is bullshit, right? So it, it was very difficult. I don't have a, ah. <laughs> Man. Oh, I, I can't. Oh, it makes acid? Oh, that's bad for my stomach. You know. Oh, it's low. Yeah, yeah that's acidic. Oh, it's sour? Yeah. Uh, that hurts my stomach. I can't eat that. All right, wow. done. I'm fucking go get some Chex Mix. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not the person that should be doing that shit, these events, but they keep having me back, so someone must like it. Did you have any samples out there? No, I did not, and I have not been um, fermenting this past year too much. What the hell is going on? I don't know. I just took about a year off. I made uh, big old batches of pickles, and then that was about it. And I didn't really do much this past year. What? Yeah, kind of. Well, I got into cider making and mead making, and I focused on that for a while. So maybe I just got so drunk I forgot to make sauerkraut. <laughs> Dude. All right, well, I ain't worried about it. I was going to ask you to make, pick my mom some, but um, it's all good. The new crop's she's coming out. up, and, um, you know, it's a new year now. Still February, mm-hmm. man. It, there ain't nothing happening here. It happened to be seventy degrees today. Everyone thinks it's spring, but oh, not it, quite. It don't mean we have any produce around this place. You don't see, you know, farmers markets don't even really open till June. Right. That's a long haul from February through June. No one's got greenhouse production going. Underground greenhouse production. Oh, I'm sure there are. You know that. Um, you got some uh, some of those folks out there on the east side, some of those larger larger farms, Morningside, whatever they are, Morningstar, yeah. I think it is, yeah. Yeah. Guys like that. I don't really know them. I don't know. I, I You know what? Ever since I closed the cafe, I kind of went back into hiding. Mm-hmm. That was my exposure to the public for two years, and then when that failed, I just kind of went drifted off into my own world yeah, you call it a failure I call it a success man dude you made dreams come true man 
<laughs> How's that? Fucking saved my life. Oh, he fucking saved my life, man. He probably saved a bunch of. You didn't save everybody's life because they wanted freaking donuts and cookies and shit. But there's probably a number of people that would not have tried some shit if you hadn't been there. That's for sure in Lakewood, because Lakewood is known for freaking riffraff of food and whatnot. Everything's I, greased and deep fried and all that. Yeah, you know? yeah. I, I was always shocked how many people came in there um, quizzing up me about health, health in general. That's what I'm saying, you know, man. You don't know who out. you touched, man. You touched freaking hundreds of people a week, you know? Whereas they go to freaking Starbucks or that caribou place, they ain't getting shit. But freaking shit, and they're paying $18,000 for shit. They you got they got quality yeah. in your place, man. I mean, me and my family, we were only there like two or three times, man. But, you know, my mom still talks about her experience there with you. You know, I walked away every time with something different, coffee grounds and freaking honey and tea and all this other shit. Plus the right, freaking tea, right. the, the, the tea mixes, the blends that my wife and daughter freaking just consumed like they were crack fiends, man. I mean... <laughs> That's that really great. Me yeah. off. Like you drank that shit in three weeks. Come on. That's the other Come problem on. with that is that it goes fast. Yeah. We're yeah. not getting that shit again. You drank it in three weeks. It was good. I'm like, no, fuck it. It was the last freaking long time. When you haven't oh, had man, was... anything that that fresh and that real and that good, man, that, it, that happens. Yeah. And that was, um, you know, when, when Frank and I started that, before we started, one of the, we had very, we had no business plan. Um, but we had some like rules, uh, heuristics in place, some, uh, you know, some things or guiding principles. And one of them was someone should feel better leaving mm-hmm. our, our shop mentally, spiritually, physically on every level that we can hit. They should feel, they should be in a better place mm-hmm. when they leave. So that caused us to reject 98% of options that we could offer people. Mm-hmm. So we were, you know, it was a struggle to source product and even the coffee itself, the dairy, the this, the that, you know. And you make some subtle compromises, you know. Some sugars, honey, maple syrup, this, that. And then um, we did uh, build a little bit of a grocery in there, and um, it was a pretty decent little grocery shop. And uh, did I ever tell you, um, as we were developing the grocery angle, and I we actually got hooked up with Unfi. That's the that's like the largest organic grocer supplier. They're the ones that like they supply Whole Foods and other you know Nature's Bin things like that. So we had an option. We could buy really good, really good grocery to to sell. And we were just getting it stocked up. And I put in an application um, to accept food stamps. And um, the inspector came in, reviewed the products we had, and we were rejected. Because we did not offer, um, I remember, I can't remember the exact quote. We did not offer predominantly healthy foods or something to that effect, right? <clears throat> so when I got that rejection letter, that's when I I kind of had a meltdown. 
Like I had a mental fucking <laughs> break. And I, I'm like, I either have to go away or kill at this point. Because the fucking liquor store across the street from mm-hmm, us, mm-hmm, they accept mm-hmm. food stamps. They accept EBT. There's mm-hmm. no fucking food in there. No, there's beer, there's cigarettes, and there's six aisles of shit. Total fucking garbage. Salt, sugar, fat, and all the wrong versions of all three of those. You know, packaging and garbage for the earth. And they accept EBT. Now I'm offering grass-fed milks and dairy and butter from local farms and just. You know, food. Everything in there was food. I had, I sold Wild Planet. We had we had a whole rack of Wild Planet canned fish in there, and a refrigerator loaded up with hand, you know, local kombuchas and other drinks. And <laughs> motherfuckers told me I didn't offer predominantly healthy foods. That was. That was a, that made me very sad. Because the other thing is coffee beans, whole, whole coffee beans and whole leaf tea are, you can buy those with food stamps. Every single thing I sold qualified for EBT purchase, food stamp purchase. Every single thing I sold qualified, but I was not approved. I guess I should have sold more cigarettes. And candy bars. Candy bars and beer. Oh, what that stuff? Oh, Chex Mix. (laughs) Yeah, whatever. You name it. Frickin' Chex Mix and Cheerios. I guess when that guy walked in, he didn't understand what he was looking at. Oh, man. Even the health inspector that we had to deal with for three months prior to opening was a horror show. He was, oh, we wanted to murder Kyle? him. We wanted to murder him. Calgary County or Lakewood Health Inspector? What was it? The county health board. Okay. <laughs> wow. So Yeah, they don't make it easy, man. Yeah. They make it too easy, but they don't make it easy. That's a trip, man. Every freaking we got a corner store across from the farm and it's well, I ain't gonna tell you over the freaking radio, man, but it's it's a it's a typical urban corner store. Not even close to being gentrified, so you know what they're selling there. Mm-hmm. It's just like those yeah. fifty cent honey buns, fifty cent bag of chips. Mm-hmm. All the beer and wine, different sizes you want. Every blunt paper flavor imaginable. And, a, oh, of course, the lottery. And, yes, they accept EBT. And they have a microwave on premises, too, because some people mm-hmm. don't have stoves. So you can come in, buy your ramen noodles, heat them up for 25 cents, and have a hot meal. Right there, yep. You yep. think you're pissed off? Mm-hmm. <laughs> My neighbors at the farm eat Roman ramen noodles that they have to pay to heat up and that's their hot meal but they do come and get lettuce and greens and whatever else they can to put in that freaking ramen noodle oh my I see God. it almost 
three times a week. They'll come over and they'll adapt those salty ass processed ass ramen noodles with some fresh veg so they know that's their option instead of just straight ramen noodles. Yeah, EBT. <laughs> Fuck. EBT. Oh, yeah, man. What a life. All right, so if you can go anywhere in the world, man, and live, where would it be? And why? Oh, <clears throat> I had... Uh... I would go to New Zealand. I would go to Alaska. I'd go to some northern European country. That'd be my top three. Mm-hmm. Scandinavia, something like that, you know. Um, but I'd have to make at least a bounce over at New Zealand and check that out. That's a pretty big place in comparison to other northern European areas. At least New Zealand has, you know, a green party. They actually have yeah, a yeah. green political party. <laughs> um, they have their problems just like everywhere else, but uh, shit. Things are fucked up and bullshit, as that guy said once. Where would you go? I don't know, man. I, I think about it every day. I think about it before I go to bed. I think about it when I wake up. I think about it all the time. I think about it now more than ever. And, you know, I don't know where I'm drawn to because I ain't been many places outside the country. But from what I read, you know, I like South America, like interior South America where, you know, there's still fresh water coming out of the earth. Because it hasn't been tapped into by some oil pipeline yet, you know it's got a warm climate. I don't know about you know the animal life there, so I'm you know just think about like a peri-urban type environment somewhere in South America. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You it's know, funny. probably not. Yeah. What? I I never think about leaving, so that's why I was tough for me to even pick a spot i just named three that i've thought about but uh, i don't ever think about going anywhere mm-hmm. i'm one of those people that hates everything and ain't got a goddamn good idea <laughs> right sometimes how's the truck doing Uh, It's aging. It's aging appropriately, you know? It's not, so not so bad. We have, uh, just like a human, you gotta accept that it's in a really bad environment and deal with Mm -hmm. that, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Pay the extra money to get those car washes. That's like, Mm. you know, otherwise the whole thing will rot away. In a blink of an eye, the whole thing will fall apart. Because of this, for those that don't know, they salt the roads here and all the cars rot away. They rust and fall all to pieces. So the old truck's like 10 years old now and uh, still hanging in there. I've had to do a lot of work myself, but still going. I ditched the old Mercedes. Mm -hmm. 
Um, couldn't afford to maintain that car anymore. And I have a little Prius for now. Now, what's up with this? Um, I've been seeing you talking about your store from working out. What's what's going on with this working out stuff, man? I started to uh, take a jujitsu. Wow. You familiar with that? Something where you throw people around. <laughs> or vice versa. It's it's mostly um on the ground. Wow. So like um some crazy ass Brazilians invented this Brazilian jujitsu oh, concept. Um, so that's what it is. What's his name? Carrie or Zary or Gracie? Gracie. Yeah. You doing Gracie Jujitsu? It's not a Gracie school, but it is the exact same thing. It's Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Yeah. That guy's fucking nuts with a large following. Yeah. And those guys rarely get beat with anything. They got a huge, huge family and a huge following yeah. and schools. Yeah. They have schools all over. Um, but this is not a Gracie Academy that I go to. It's just a uh, Brazilian uh, jiu-jitsu. Um, wow. But what happened was... Uh, the wife wanted the kids to get involved in sports. And I'm like, fuck sports, man. And that just creates an argument in the house. But I'm just like, fuck sports, fuck sports, fuck sports. And I'm like, oh, I know a sport. Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Brazilian style. <laughs> <laughs> so I took the kids there. So I want to say one thing about this. Jiu-Jitsu is insanely popular because of MMA. Mm-hmm. Mixed martial mm-hmm. arts and the yeah. um, that big fighting thing, um, yeah. the UFC, right? Mm-hmm. So it's wildly popular because of that. My kids don't; they do not know what the UFC is. They've never seen it. They don't know what MMA is. They don't know anything about that. So I take my three little kids to this jiu-jitsu studio. They know nothing, and they just jumped in and did it. And they never missed a class. We started last September. <laughs> they go three days a week. Wow. And, I, and they went to every single fucking class. And they're so committed. And I would do anything to get them there. You know, if, if they're dressed and ready, we go. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they did it. They did it hard and they loved it. And. They like jumped a whole belt, like they skipped like half a level because they were, they were just in it. Like they 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 weren't playing games because when there's kids in that age, the coach still has. It's like fucking kindergarten in there. He's dealing with behavioral disorders, kids that just can't behave. So he's a he's a very amazing guy. He's young. He's only like thirty three. And yet he's very good with kids. I don't know how he maintains his composure. Because, you know, crazy ass little kids in there. But um, for whatever reason, I don't know why. I don't have, my kids don't have those problems. They don't have the hyperactivity disorder and the this and the that. And so it worked out very well. And after sitting there watching them for four months, I was like, man, I, God, I, I should probably do something myself. So one day we were in the living room. I'm wrestling around with my 10 year old Alexander and my younger son, who's only in second grade. 
comes up behind me and puts me in a chokehold. Damn. And I thought for a brief second, like, I'm in trouble. Like, he's got me good. Hmm. Like, I can fuck this kid up. I mean, I can mm-hmm. throw him off my back and throw him through the, a window or, or mm-hmm. smash him into a wall. But I'm like, he got me. And this is pretty impressive. What's nice about jujitsu is I just tapped his arm and he let go. And I said, man, these kids are young and they're <laughs> growing fast. And I'm going the other way. Like, I'm going downhill. They're going uphill. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I still want to be the man around here. So, fuck it. I signed up for jujitsu. Damn right. Joined in, you know. You got to stay strong. Otherwise, they'll eat you. <laughs> oh, yeah. They will. That's right. Yeah, my um, my youngest, he, he always attacks me when I come in the house. And probably for the first half hour, he'll run around the house and try to attack me from different angles. And I, I just kick him off. And he comes back. And it'll, it'll be like a half hour kicking him off and beating him up and punch him in his gut and I, I don't hit him in the face you know but I guess yeah. punch him really hard to just make him know this is what it feels like and he comes back for more and more and more and I think it's great that he can take a kick and he's learning how to kick now so yeah yeah you know I'm I'm not teaching the main thing I guess that you know when you kick keep your guard up you know don't let anybody you know hit you in your chest when your leg is up you know so mm-hmm. I'm just teaching little things you know uh, kung fu type stuff and all that but he's uh kids he's he's a kid and he's crafty and he thinks about how to get me because if that doesn't work he'll try this way and each time he attacked he tried something different each time and because i'm faster than him and stronger than him he doesn't get much in but right right one time like two weeks ago he kicked me in the balls because it was <laughs> open and i was oh. like fuck and he was like ha, i got you got you and i was like dude <laughs> he was like whatever i'm like yeah i know whatever okay watch this so I kicked his ass for like five minutes straight. And he yeah, was yeah. like, <laughs> mom was like, shut up. I can't concentrate. You guys are making too much noise and uh-huh. screaming too loud. I'm like, whatever. He kicked me my balls. He was like, well, I should have covered up. So, yeah, man. They, uh, the little robots, and they think quick and they adapt quicker. And you got to stay strong or else, <laughs> or else they'll eat you. Oh, man. Yeah. You're dead. So I got out there a little bit. Um, just a few classes in so i'm just learning and it's been very 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 difficult uh, i can't say enough varies on top of that it's it was uh, very hard um so it's been a struggle and i had to miss a few classes recently i've been pretty sick so mm. i didn't want to get anyone else miserably sick so that was a nice excuse to miss some classes while i recovered mm-hmm. bruised mm-hmm. chest down to the bone like my ribs are wow. all fucked up so wow. um yeah um i highly recommend it um to any parent of a child go check out your local jiu-jitsu school if they have a kids program if there are a bunch of assholes in there and they're just a bunch of monsters and meatheads fuck that move on but it most likely that's not going to be the case it's a it has mm-hmm. a, a very rich culture of respect and it's 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 just an amazing sport, so it's it's very cool. Now, when you went in there as a beginner, did you get like beginner training, or they just like threw you in with the big dogs? Yeah, you can pick your classes. You know, they have classes for competitors, 
They have open mat where anyone can walk in there. Then they have fundamentals courses and then like a regular jujitsu class. So I went for fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And in there, what you do is warm up, stand against a wall, coach, and a dummy, you know, another human, will show you a drill, a skill. Not a drill. They will show you a skill. And you look at it from all angles. They rotate around and show you this move. I was the first person in the class to walk off the wall that we're standing against, and I actually walked around the room so I could see the two bodies Mm-hmm. as they were showing the skill and he was he actually said he's like why don't more people do that you got to see it from all angles mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. as so i was walking around and i was ducking down and peeking and looking at how they were how he was holding and how this all works because i i mean i don't know i know nothing mm-hmm. i don't even know the names for the things they're talking about right guard passing guard this and that mount and uh i don't know what any of that means so i'm just in there inquisitive looking peeking getting close and so they show you a skill, and then um, you partner up and practice that skill. And typically, you kind of match up with someone, you know, close to your size or skill level. But it doesn't always work out. And the first class I did, I matched up with a brown belt, which is just under black belt. Right. This is a very high-level, highly skilled, multiple-year disciplined, amazing athlete. He was huge, um, six foot plus, probably 250, 275. Basically, picture a prototypical (laughs) NFL defensive tackle with that big-ass hip and leg and, you know, just double me. And that's who I practiced with (laughs) and I drilled with you know so that was that was interesting the amazing thing is you know it was um just coaching you through the whole time you know not hurting you not not, nothing like that you know he didn't even he literally didn't even try he was just letting me move his big heavy body parts around to Mm -hmm. try to learn the movements of a skill we didn't. We weren't sparring or anything. Did you have to put a uniform on or something like that? Yeah. The um, when I started, I just borrowed a gi. So that's just a classic jujitsu gi. You know, white mm-hmm. you know, pants, jacket, belt. So I borrowed one, and then I ordered one and bought myself one. Cool. So it's uh, yeah. There's gi. Jiu-jitsu and there's no gi. They do both classes. A lot of guys like to do... They do both. They do gi and no gi. You learn all kinds of different skills. and it's a, That is one hell of a workout, man. So, so the no gi is just you in a t-shirt? Yeah, they wear what's called rash guard. So they're usually like long-sleeved shirts that okay. protect you from the... Um, the matte surface because you can get mm-hmm. some pretty bad burns from that surface because you're rolling and spinning and grinding into that mat. Wow. And you can get really bad burns. So they wear these things called rash guards. Sounds amazing. It really is. I would recommend anyone trying it. A lot of, a lot of schools will give you um, 
10-day free trial or my my school does a 30 days 30 days for free just go and give it a mm. try what Can't about that, uh, what about female type stuff there's girls in there. Okay. Yeah, there's girls in there. Um, one of the gals is actually one of the kids' instructors, too. And they're in there rolling with the guys. Oh. Yeah, so in my class, That's there was cool. um, three gals in there. Um, I did uh, some sparring with one one gal in there, and she just tossed me aside and just destroyed me in, like, eight seconds. And it was like, what the fuck? Like, that was so fast. It was just over with, you know? Um, so pretty amazing learning experience. I can imagine seeing your eyes when that happened, man. Yeah. I mean, but it's like that with everyone I compete against. Cause I'm just so, I don't know what I'm doing in there. Brand new. You think you'll stick with it? Yeah. Um, to be honest, my largest hurdle is actually financially don't know if I can pay for it. I, I don't currently have a way to afford to pay for the classes. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I even had a meeting with the kids today and said we might all have to take a month off. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they get priority. They get to go back first. And right. then if I can afford it, I'll go back. But uh, right now, I, I just don't have a way to pay for it. What's the cost? So, like, a kid is $85 a month. Okay. Uh, okay. An adult is 130 Okay. They give me a discount for having three kids. So, three kids is 200 Hmm. And I have approximately negative 750 or something like that. So, uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. We have our hopes and aspirations and dreams and plans, and then we have reality. Reality is always there. <laughs> always. Well, continued success. Maybe there's a way that you're pretty crafty. You know, there's nothing like hand on hand learning how to do it, but maybe there's some other way that, you know, something can work out yeah i you know it's not like i often i i complain a lot online or whatever on my twitter because that's like my personal diary and i i imagine a lot of people probably think i'm just some mopey loser who doesn't do anything you know Mm -hmm. the woe is me but no i'm i'm out there i'm i'm you know i've got like 20 different business ideas i'm tinkering with other i have like two current little online businesses that I'm tinkering with plus my work, my carpentry and kitchen and bathroom modeling. So Mm -hmm. I'm out there constantly after it. It's just that I I fall short often. And when I do, it's, you know, pretty steep because I don't have a a job. I haven't been employed in 10 years. Right. So I live a bit on the edge and it, it can get, it just can get pretty brutal. But People may think I whine. My point was, I think people think I like I, I'm. I'm just whining. Woe is me. Woe is me. Rich people are evil. You know why don't you give me money? It's not that. It's just that I've given myself permission to say, "Fuck, I'm hurting right now. This sucks." And I'm right. not. And I'm not saying that so that someone will 
rescue me. It's not that, you know? I just like telling the story. I think a lot of stories of uh, failures in progress towards progress don't get told. People always tell them after the fact. I'm successful because I never stopped trying. Well, you know what, motherfucker? Poor motherfuckers. They're trying to. So fuck you. I hear you, brother. It's it's the same on this end. Uh, you know, I, I'm we, we move every four or five years because the work, you know. I moved away from Ohio because there was no more work. I went from coast to coast, up to down, Toledo to freaking Youngstown to freaking Cleveland to freaking the Louisville, Kentucky, mm-hmm. trying to get work. And the work was not there. You know, the the goal was to work myself out of a job, and damn it, I did. And, you know, someone else took over. And same thing with uh, North Carolina, coast to coast, top to bottom. So now I'm in Georgia, and I don't want to get out of Georgia because it's wild out there, man. South ain't no joke. This is some wild shit down here, dog. <laughs> some wild fucking shit, man. Uh, I can't wait. We're, we got to talk about that. <laughs> we do got to cover that some other night, man. I'm fucking in Georgia. Dog. Yeah, fuck okay. that. Uh, no, I don't. I, I don't fuck with the South, Georgia, dude. I don't dude. fuck with the South. <laughs> to me, the South is like Columbus. Below that, I don't go. I mean, Columbus, Ohio. I don't go south right. of there. Right. Fuck the South. Yeah, man. And I'm a white Christian, whatever. I ain't going down there, dude. Dude, it's no, it's no joke. You know, it's no joke. The odd thing is that you got you got these townships and and t- whole towns that are all black, but I don't know where they are. <laughs> They're not on the map. <laughs> They're not saying on the map. When you drive through this little town, it's an all black town. You know, people don't tell me. Yeah, when you drive to come to this farm or that place or whatever, you know, everybody's gonna be black. You're gonna be fine. No, man. They don't tell you that because they don't because they're from down here and they already know. I don't know shit. And you man. don't know. Right. So, you know, my window of going four miles tops to work and that's it and back is is fine. My wife, she's got to travel all over the place because of the kids and this and that and the other. And she's all over the town. I'm like, well, great. You know, you don't look like me. You know, I, I look like me and I got tenant windows for a reason. Because <laughs> I need I need to blend in the fuck oh. like I need to blend in like I'm freaking part of the woodwork. Oh man, you know I don't want to stand out at all. So yeah, man, the the fucking South is, dude. It's and then the stories I hear I know are true because people ain't got no reason to lie about the South. You know? Oh, it's, when I first it's, got down it's here, it's pretty people, well goddamn documented. <laughs> Man, it's no joke. It's no joke. Shit don't happen, I don't think, because it's low profile and they don't report it. But I know shit happens because I hear about shit that happens. And, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I'm fine in the house. I go to work. I come back. I don't want to go nowhere else. I'm, I'm very happy where I am. The work is great. The community is great. You know, it's wonderful. I've never been happier in my life, truthfully, than down here because, you know, everybody's black and no one's saying crazy shit to me about nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, no mm-hmm. side looks or nothing. 
something. I feel totally, for the first time in my life, I feel fucking totally at home. Yeah, that's pretty totally. cool, man. That's pretty I'm, cool. You got your little, um, you got your, you have your work in in your community. In right? my community, for the first time yeah. ever. There are these larger pressures from above and outlying communities and political structures and things that could that are scary you know but uh man I, so it's got to be both uh rewarding and yet keep you on keeps you on edge for sure when yeah. i gotta travel outside yeah. i'm like um what's the map say you know i, I gotta pick my routes you know <laughs> you gotta pick your routes yeah yeah yep yeah, i hear you because i I know certain neighborhoods are going to be lily white and, you know, wealthy, and I don't fit in. You know, the, the car I drive or the truck I drive doesn't fit in unless I'm a worker. So I got this uh, Chevy Silverado that looks like a worker's truck. So when I go to these neighborhoods to teach at these rich schools, you know, I fit in like I'm a worker. You know, I'm Mexican or I'm black. I'm doing some work on somebody's house. So I mm-hmm. fit in really good. Mm-hmm. So that that's my disguise to that's get your, to these that's you other and, neighborhoods. That's your, yeah, you're the chameleon then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So I still got to disguise myself, which sucks. I can't just be me. But I get in, I get out. <laughs> There's no issues. Uh, one time I got followed a couple times going in and coming out because they didn't know the car. And... I was like, that was close. So I asked the teacher what was going on. He was like, yeah, they follow you in if they don't know you. And they follow you out and see what you're up to. And I was like, fuck. He was like, yeah, don't worry about it. When you come back next time, it's not going to happen because nothing happened on the way in or out. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what kind of shit is that? He was like, that's what they do. That's I was like, what normal. the fuck? That's just normal. That's the way it is there. Yeah. Wow. Man. Fuck. Dude. Shit and bricks. <laughs> Man, yeah, dog. I guess in South, man. Hmm. But we're doing good. We're we're doing good. The kids are very happy. They ain't been happier ever. We didn't fit in at all in North Carolina at all. We didn't fit in in there at all. Because down here, everybody fits in. The wife fits in. The kids fit in. I fit in. Everything's great. That is really cool. We don't got to leave the hood. Yeah. Everything's great. Every everything is down here is just like we got these groups that we were part of real quick and no one said anything about it so nothing they got said yeah come on in everything's cool everything's relaxed everything's cool man everything's cool nice I just yeah. stay in my lane and the lane is real small and tiny and I'm I'm fine with that there you go <laughs> just subversively change the world yeah i like this low, low profile it's like the worms yeah man i'm definitely a worm now for sure <laughs> sure brand new wormville it's wormville everywhere you go though yeah